You're listening to a 95 BFM podcast. From our studio to yours, it's Various Artists with Francis and Liam. Ahia Himarie, Tenakoto Katoa, call Francis Tokoingoa. Call Liam Tokoingoa. No, my Haida Mai, key Various Artists, Mortine Wiki. Welcome to Various Artists. My name is Francis. My name is Liam. We will be with you for the next hour. This is your guide to the big wide art world of Tamaki Makoto and beyond for this week. It's been a very, um, I know that it's like the most obvious radio chat, but it's like all that I can think about right now is just the weather going from like being incredible, beautiful, amazing, perfect, like autumn vibes to um, incredibly humid like it was today. Yeah, it's crazy out there. Yeah. I don't know if anyone was tuning into the fancy new band with Lucia just before this, but uh, the wonderful new, mus- new, new musician, Babe Martin, has a track called, what was it, April in the City? Yeah. Yeah. That felt very, perfect, very... Perfectly atmospheric for a day like this. Yeah, it was beautiful. What do we have coming up today, Francis? If I can know, coming up on the show, I talk to Yasmin Ganley, the curator of the Resine Design and Architecture Film Festival for 2023. I had a chat with Lindsay Horn, the curator for Artists and Artists at Studio One Toy 2, as well as Hugo Van Dorser and Richie Adamson. All of their contributing portraits and have all of them have contributed portraits and have portraits of themselves as a part of the 24-person exhibition. I found out what's on at Auckland Art Gallery Toyotamaki by talking with their Head of Curatorial and Learning, Dr. Sarah Farah. And finally, we have your local arts guide for Tamaki Makoto over the next week. He aha ofakaro, we would love to hear your thoughts on these pieces, so tukupatuhi mai. You can text us, we're on 5395. Why am I rane? Give us a call in the studio. We're on 309 3879. Also, after the show, ka oe e. Wareware e ahe anakoto te whakadango ki e ne korero ano he pekareki okeroki maranga e tapai tukutuku o rerangai poho. Mahariki 95BFM e de katikom. You can catch all these chats and more by podcast on the 95BFM website 95BFM.com. Should we get into it? Yeah, let's slightly change this so we don't go straight into some ads. <laughs> there we go. There we go. This is live radio gang. And where are you? This is how we get a smooth transition going. Various artists with Francis and Liam. So you can go to the opening for more than just the snacks. Last night saw the opening of the Resine Architecture and Design Film Festival. The festival is a nationwide event showcasing the best in architecture and design documentaries. It's one of the largest film festivals of its kind in the world and is back and bigger than ever this year. To hear about what's coming up in the festival, how the docos are selected and why we should get along, I caught up with the curator of the festival, Yasmin Ganley. Here we are now. Could you begin by telling me a little of the festival's history? When did it begin? It actually started in 2011 by a woman in Colorado, which is a strange place to start, but she, um, she owned a production house um, called Design on Screen, and so she was really sending Rialto the films that she thought could make up an architecture and design festival. And then in 2015, Tracy Lee and Claire Buchanan took over and gave it the life and <clears throat> generosity that it is now known for and sort of built out the program a little bit more to include 
things like the gardening section and a focus on sort of future planning and artists who are more on the brink of discoveries with materials and things like that. I think we're up to our 12th year this year. Obviously, it's showing in New Zealand at the moment. It's opened last night, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, we opened in Auckland to three full cinemas. Wow. (laughs) And it opens in Nelson next week, and then it's on to Wellington, then Dunedin, Christchurch, and Havelock North. And in Wellington, we have two cinema venues, the Embassy and Lighthouse. Have you added a new location this year as opposed to previous years? Yes. Havelock North and Nelson were, they sort of got like the greatest hits of the festival and this year they're sort of permanent venues. They get the full programme. And let's talk about that that full programme. Obviously you've uh, been part of curating the festival. What is the selection process like? It's very fun. The last year, this is our second year doing it, Last year was a little trickier because uh, the pandemic had really slowed down production and a lot of films just weren't finished in terms of like sound being synced and things like that. So this year we really were spoiled for choice. There were so many films that we could have included. Um, so we really have such a strong program. I usually comb through some of the more like internationally renowned festivals and pick out the films that I think will resonate with our audience. And then, yeah, that's just a process of getting in touch with the film director or their production company. And then, yeah, just pulling it all together, watching all the films and getting feedback from the team and things like that. It sounds like a a lot of fun. How many different sections are there in the festival? And then I guess through those sections, what have you chosen to highlight this year? Yeah, so we have split it into four sections. We've got an architect hero, which has the likes of Jeffrey Bauer from Sri Lanka and Brown versus Brown, which is our first New Zealand feature-length architectural film ever, which is a, which is a major wow. feat for our film history um, and I suspect is going to be the highlight of the program. Mm. Yeah, do, do you want to tell me a little bit about Brown versus Brown if listeners are interested in going yeah. to see it? What's, what's it about? So this is, this is our opening film last night and we had Simon talk um, for the audiences, which was really lovely. He is a filmmaker and his dad just happens to be Peter Mark Brown, who is one of the head architects for Group Architects, which um, quite renowned in our architectural history for really making a shift with new materials and creating outward-looking spaces. And I think this was kind of a turning point and created what we know as like some of our favourite modernist houses through the country. So it's a look at that really, it's a look at his legacy and what he's created and the people who are still living in those spaces. So it's historically very important for New Zealand and it's also a very tender film. I mean, it's his son who's behind the camera and... 
you know, he's talking to these families who some of them are in their 90s and um, have lived their lives in these beautiful homes. Really looking forward to getting to see that, um, and I know there's yeah. a lot of lot of excitement about it. What is the significance of holding a festival like this and sharing these films with an Aotearoa audience? I think it's important for New Zealand to be included in these global conversations around art and architecture and design. I think, you know, we are what we're exposed to, and I think that it's just, important that we have a a look back at you know these people who have created such legacies and um, beautiful bodies of work um, that can inspire us but then also looking at what is happening in that um, design field that with future artists who are sort of at the cutting edge of important discoveries and I think above anything it's important to be inspired (laughs) Absolutely, and obviously people are looking for that inspiration. Three three cinemas on your opening night here in Tamaki is, is very, um, very exciting to hear. What do you think it is about design and architecture films that draw people to the cinema? Because they obviously do. Yeah, um, it's, it's proven popular. I think probably it comes down to scale. I think... Having um, a moving image through homes that you've looked at in books or online and being able to somewhat experience them um, at that scale is quite a moving experience, I think. Um, And getting all of that information from behind the scenes, yeah, I think it comes down to scale. Yeah, totally. And yeah, that was my next question about how how seeing built spaces and design objects through a film lens, lens can change our understanding and experience of them. And I think, yeah, you're so okay. right there. How do you think hearing from the architects themselves or people who know them well and have lived in those spaces changes our understanding of those spaces too? Well, they become humanised and they um, reveal their um, process. They reveal the process of the architect. You can the way that somebody lives in a space is revealing of how the architect has has built their dwelling and imagined that someone would, how they would move through their rooms and how they would absorb natural light which I think you know are all kind of almost like important to survival and I don't know I keep thinking of all of these new housing developments that are going up around the city and how they they don't take any of that into account they're really dehumanized I feel like they're modern and they're new, but um, they don't take into account where the sun comes up or where the windows are placed. Sort of feels like it's more about just a building rather than the people who live in it. Yes, yeah, and so the the films highlight the the craft of the architect uh, as a 
a space maker with with people um, at the heart of yes. it. Well, obviously, it's Definitely. a really big festival in terms of uh, the program, and there's a lot to see, yes. and probably listeners can't get to see them all. Are there any films that you would specifically recommend? I mean, I'm sure you love them all, um, but if you could highlight a few, what would you send listeners towards? Yeah, I've got a couple of personal favourites. My pick would be Bauer's Garden, which, like I said before, was a look at Jeffrey Bauer's own personal house that he built in Sri Lanka. And it's just quite lush. The visuals are beautiful. And the film is by female director, Clara Craft, and she has two films in the program, actually. Her other film is called Light Without Sun, and it's about a house in Mallorca, and the house is built around the sun's path, and how um, the rooms are sort of positioned um, dictate how much or how little light come into it, which is a really beautiful concept for, for a build. My other pick would be The World is Out of Focus, which is about four Danish artists, all female. They studied at Bauhaus, and um, it's a look at their archive of photography work. Um, and some of these images, you, you'll recognise um, portraits of um, people. And because these women were under contract underneath a male photographer, they never got any credit. Any mm. photo they took with him was credited to that guy. So it's kind of quite revealing of, of the time. It's really sweet. These women are, you know, in their 80s and 90s and still working. Um, it's, yeah, it's a really sweet film. And then also there's Nan Golden, <clears throat> All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which is proving to be looking at pre-sales I think it's going to be another popular film and that's obviously about the legacy of photographer Nan Golden she sort of takes the lens and turns it on her own life and we sort of meet her inside her battle with the Sacklers who are a um, manufacturers of the prescription painkiller Oxycontin so it's about her um, battle against them. Pretty amazing, really. Pretty inspiring. Oh, thank you, Yasmin, for chatting to me about the festival this morning. Hey, just before we jump off the line, where can listeners go to find the programme and book some tickets? You can go to rialto.co.nz and if you don't see it on that main page, there is an events section with... Architecture and Design Film Festival program in there and you can book tickets on their website. That was Yasmin Ganley talking with me about the curation of the Resine Architecture and Design Film Festival. Do let us know if you're heading along and what you're looking forward to. You can text us in on 5395. You're on Various Artists with Francis and Liam. We'll be back after a quick break. 95 BFM and Live Nation present Idols live at Spark Arena Friday, July 21st. Call, run or shove your way to get tickets because revered UK band Idols are returning to New Zealand to bring their formidable energy to Spark Arena and feature as part of Elemental Nights 2023. 
Idols at Spark Arena, Friday, July 21st. Get your tickets now from livenation.co.nz. What's a seven-letter word for street fighter? Brawler. Hey, you're right. OK, what about treasure trunks and six? Chests. They said you were good. Hey, what's happening at Ponsonby Social Club this week? Well, tonight there's... DJ's Chip and Soul Tree. And tomorrow... A live tribute to Prince, followed by DJ's Katja and Gratis. Same old Ponsonby Social Club. 152 Ponsonby Road. What kind of music am I into? I didn't... I'm not uh, actually just into one genre. My tastes are very broad and eclectic and broad. Everything apart from country and heavy metal. That's funny because I only listen to metal. And country? No, that's a couple of shows before. The Hard, Fast and Heavy Show. show, show. Two hours of punk, hardcore, goats, doom, metal and thrash with Paddy and crew. Maybe I Fast and Heavy Show, 11pm to 1am every Sunday night, only on 95BFM.
Positive critiques. Honest. Various artists. The next ex- exhibition at the Studio 122 pop-up on Kalangahape Road is opening next week, containing 24 portraits of local artists who they themselves have created other portraits of artists in the exhibition in a wonderful artsy cycle. The exhibition was curated by Lindsay Horn, who also has a portrait she created and a portrait of herself featured in the exhibition. You get the idea. I had a chat with Lindsay as well as other featured artists, Richie Adamson and Hugo Van Dorsa, about their portraits. If you happen to be into Wanganui Atara, you can see the pieces now at 26 Gallery, but you're probably in Auckland. So if you're up here in Tamaki, you can head over to the opening night next Wednesday, the 10th of May. Here's my chat with Lindsay, Hugo and Richie now. Kia ora, I'm Lindsay and uh, Lindsay Hall. So I'm a, the curator of it, but I'm also an exhibiting artist um, in the exhibition as well. I'm Hugo Van Dorsa, and when Lindsay asked me to be a part of it, it was yeah an awesome opportunity to meet new people and have different people view you know, an aspect of my work. Hello, I'm Richie Adamson. done portraits for a while, but then I left them alone because I moved on to some sort of abstract landscape stuff. Um, so I was working on that for a very long time and thought that I'd never do portraits again. And then Lindsay asked me, so I was like, I may as well. But it's been lots of fun doing it again. And I'm very grateful that Lindsay asked me. Very really cool. grateful that Richie came out of portrait retirement for us. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So Lindsay, where did the idea for uh, Artists on Artists come from when you brought it about last year? I was listening to an interview um, with Professor Leonard Bell and he curated an exhibition of Marty Friedlander's work and she is a really exceptional photographer um, who sadly passed away now, but she, not like exclusively, but she mainly photographed sub or artists and like, especially like in their studios. And so you'd see these amazing portraits of like Ralph Hoteri, like in his studio and like these amazing artists from Aotearoa. And I was listening to this and I was like, oh, artists would just make fantastic subjects. Like you don't often, obviously you see their work, but you don't always get to see them in the frame. Um, but it was like lockdown and I was like a bit loath to do a full um, solo show. So I was like, oh, it'd be much better to like work with the artists. And that's kind of when it all clicked. I was like, oh, the artists could then paint each other and it would be like far more collaborative. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where the idea came from. And for me, it's just like a really amazing excuse to like hit up all these artists whose work I love. And like now I just get a chance to like hang out with them and 
um, do a group show with them. So for me, um, it's definitely like the collaboration and then shining a bit of a light on the artists themselves and putting them in the frame. Was this the first time that you'd worked in a curatorial role? Or I don't know if curatorial is a word, but a curator's role? A shoulder tapping role. Um, yeah, it was actually. Yeah, so um, I do my best to just like keep an eye out on who's kind of creating what kind of portraits um, and not just like painters, but photographers. And we're hoping to work with some sculptors and even some authors as well. So yeah, like this year and last year is the first time that we've kind of run it like that. But um, yeah, it's been a really um, interesting experience um, kind of managing a show like that. And I, I definitely try to do my best to get a really diverse mix of artists, not only just in terms of like demographics, but also like diverse mediums and a mix of both emerging and established artists. Yeah. And why have you decided to bring this exhibition back for a second year? Oh, it's just so repeatable, you know, like it's such a repeatable format and there's so many talented artists as well. So I feel like we're never going to run out of amazing portrait artists here in Aotearoa. So it's just another excuse to showcase their work. This is the first time we've had it in, um, in Te Whanganui Atara and down here in Wellington as well. So it's been a really great chance to work with some Wellington-based artists as well. It sounds strange, but not a lot of portrait artists have actually like had their portrait done of them. So it's also a really nice chance to give the artists an opportunity to be on the receiving end of that. And it's um, it, it's really interesting, but it can also be a bit of like a an empathy experience. Like it's quite confronting having your portrait done. It's nice to kind of give them that opportunity. I hope it's like a nice experience. I think for a lot of them it really is, but yeah, it definitely is. It's an experience having your portrait done. Yeah. So I guess we should sort of go around the block and talk to each of you about what it's been like doing portraits and having a portrait taken of yourself. I reckon if we start with Richie, what into what went into your portrait of Samson Dell? Had you met them before? No, the I hadn't met Samson before. Um, I knew of Samson because I did my because I did my masters at Massey, and Samson just graduated from undergrad at Massey. Um, their photography is amazing. Really love it. So when I met Samson, I was a bit worried because Samson's work is very quiet and very peaceful and very intimate and black and white photography um, predominantly. So I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> my work's quite, can be quite colourful. And like the, the poses that I get people to do are very stoic, but it wasn't very Samson's vibe, I didn't think. So I asked Samson about it and Samson was totally on board with anything that I wanted to do, which is great. And I think most artists probably would do that for each other, being artists. But I got to a point where I wanted to paint Samson completely in pink. <laughs> and Samson never wears pink either. So I was like, oh, sorry, is pink all right? And Samson was like, actually, a photographer photographed me fully in pink once before. And I was like, oh, great. We, even though Samson's a photographer and I'm a painter, um, our practices overlapped a little bit in the way that we approach the subject, which is quite neat because I always thought photography was quite foreign to painting, but it's, it's not. <laughs> um, maybe because we're both um, queer artists, I think the overlap was probably stronger than most other cases. So that was quite cool to find that out. And I have a huge appreciate, more of a pre an appreciation for Samson's work now that I've worked with them. And then what's that been like in reverse, having Pam Brabant make a portrait of you? Do you feel like it's been the same sort of interaction that you've held with Samson, but vice versa? Or has it been of a bit of a different dynamic on your end? Yeah, I think it was um, a similar situation. Um, I'm very okay with anyone doing anything. So that's 
totally fine. Um, and Pam's a very quirk, quirky artist with her, her work. And I was very happy that she got paired with me because I've been a fan of her phrases. And I didn't know what she was going to do. And then, um, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but she first asked if, if I could be naked for the, for the portrait. And I was like, oh, I don't know about naked. Because <laughs> her work is very much that. Um, she does like really fine detail line work of these um, very much caricatures of people, but they're really beautifully done. Um, and a lot of her work is like a lot of play in it. Um, like once she painted a, a, drew a, a woman on a, one of those reclining couches, couches with a dog's head on and like in a bikini or something. Um, very quirky work. So I was like, obviously you're going to ask me if I was going to be naked. <laughs> but I um, couldn't bring myself to it. But then after she did the portrait, I was like, oh, maybe I should have done <laughs> naked. That would have been more fun. <laughs> but it's fun anyway. Yeah. It's a really cute portrait anyway. And then Hugo, we've also got um, your portrait of being on a queen here, which is definitely getting more into the abstract side of things. Um, what went into this portrait for you? So in, in the past, I've never actually done a specific portrait of anybody. So when Lindsay asked me about this, I was slightly nervous and also excited for the challenge to do that because you know painting painting a portrait or doing a portrait of somebody is nerve-wracking in the sense that they have an idea of themselves and you don't want to sort of disrespect um the person that you're uh doing the portrait of and feel uh you know uncomfortable in terms of how you portray them so i was trying to because uh most of my face, facial paintings look quite either sad or like very like distressed. Talking to Billy, he didn't shed too much light on himself and that was okay because I wanted to approach it as more of like the idea of him or like the, it's the concept of who he is using sort of um, the styles that I tend to paint with and he gave me like five different things he said my favorite colors are slate green and pastel pink he then sent me a photo of himself that was so blurry from like a night where he'd gone to a concert at the town hall in Auckland and it was like seriously low res but I was instead of, <laughs> instead of sending getting him to send me a good one I was kind of like I'll, I'll, I'll work with you're it. portraying it surprisingly <laughs> accurately yeah <laughs> but then for me just scrolling through his Instagram and like screenshotting videos when he's been like videoing himself in the car to get his glasses and then sort of started and got halfway through it and then I kind of was like oh what's the next step so went away and just thought about it for a while and he um one of the parts of his practice is doing woodcut prints, which is in a very different style. He does these little funny like character faces and stuff, and he's got these two different styles going on from the more painterly oil paintings that he does. You know, I was thinking about the woodcut thing and how that worked. So I decided to to use a bit of collage by me actually cutting stuff out. In contrast, you kind of see the portrait that was taken of you by Vanessa Green and Kieran Lowe, which is uh, incredibly, incredibly different. Um, how does it sort of feel to have that portrait of you, which for the listeners at home, uh, I guess you describe as just a very cool looking black and white photograph taken, um, which is in contrast to Hugo's portrait of Billy McQueen, which is amazing and bonkers. Um, how does it feel sort of like having yourself portrayed in quite a different way to you portraying other people? 
I I enjoyed it. I really enjoy it. And like a um, Picasso and the Cubist movement had a huge influence on me. And a lot of those older artists from the you know, 1920s, 30s, when you see photos of them, predominantly they're black and white and everyone is looking so serious. I, I think that's brilliant because when these people use a color and they're doing wild stuff and then didn't even say that to Karen and Vanessa, but I quite enjoy that. And I'm normally a reasonably cam- camera shy person. So the fact that they didn't really want me to be smiling was good. Is there wet plate photographers, which is like a really old technique from the 1800s. And so they have to like develop it there on site. And it's like a quite a special technique, eh, Hugo? And then, um, Lindsay, I guess to close out, what's gone into your portrait of uh, Clark Railworth, um, especially having this portrait within an uh, exhibition that you yourself curated? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, yeah, I painted Clark and Clark is like technically an, a really amazing oil painter um, who then also painted Jessica Guernsey, who then painted Pam. So we're like a lineup of painters in the kind of um, chain link of artists. And it's quite nerve wracking creating work of someone who knows your medium really well because you they just know all of the ins and outs, especially because Clark is technically like very, very good. So I was quite nervous um, painting Clark, especially because my style's like quite messy and a bit all over the shop compared to to his so I was like quite nervous about it but he was so he was so gracious about it and similar to what Richie was saying um in that you know all of the artists kind of get get free reign or like definitely get the creative direction that they want to go in like it's not a commission it's not set up as commissions you know like it's people are there to create their artwork and so yeah he was he was really good about it and um so I, I paint off photographs so we um took a whole a whole lot of photographs of that but try my best to like um capture him through the kind of like color considerations and some of the poses yeah and then when it goes into the portrait of yourself by Marcel Karma how has that experience for you it's kind of interesting the how blue this one is compared to how pink your portrait of Clark was yeah it was so interesting and yeah for the listeners like I'm quite like I'm blonde and I'm kind of like got a bit of a tan so for me like a a blue portrait of me it's just not a color that I would ever recognize with myself and so it was so fascinating and that's I guess the whole point of this is that you see yourself in a different kind of way and it was really interesting because Marcel like shared with me his kind of like his he, he talked me through his process and what kind of images he needed and he also sent me like all of his like reference artists and who kind of inspires him so that I could get him the right kind of photo because he also works of photographs but he was in the South Island at the time so I needed to provide him with the photo and for me that was just like fascinating like kind of seeing his process and what he needed and who kind of inspires him so I really yeah I really enjoyed that um that aspect of it. That was Lindsay Horn, Richie Adamson, and Hugo Van Dorsa chatting about the artists on artist exhibition. You can catch their portraits, both the portraits of them and the portraits that they made, in the flesh next Wednesday at the Studio One Toy 2 pop-up on Klangahape Road. If you have any thoughts or feedback on that piece, then took a part to Humai. You can text us on 5395 or call us on 309-3879. We'll be back after these messages. 95 BFM and Live Nation present Elemental Nights 2023, a winter concert series coming this July. 
Elemental Nights have arranged a stack of smoking hot shows just in time for winter to warm up the coldest of hearts. The blistering lineup includes Idols, Loyal Kana, Tablo, and Bikurunga, with more artists to be announced. Elemental Nights 2023, this July. Get your tickets now from livenation.co.nz. You're listening to Talking Tracks on PBNZ. And as I said, Frith, if this harpsichord is gauche, then what's Max Martin? <laughs> Seriously, though, a crisp and, dare I say, a brilliant debut from this young artist. Mm. And now from our new contributor, Daryl. Yeah, mate. Are you trying to humiliate me? No, no, Is no, this funny to you? Screeching uncultured no-fi bullshit. Get out. Real pain for sham friends. Dirtbag radio for real friends. Cause I wanna go out and get drunk and dance. I got a fake ID. Dirtbag radio. Mondays, 7 to 9 p.m. with Rackley. Only on 95BFM. Leather, we leather, we leather. 
What's it all for? Various artists. That was Aldous Harding with Leathery Whip just before. We had to talk about the weather, but the rain has settled in to Tamaki Makoto, so wet day activities are in order. To finish off the show this week, we thought we'd catch up with the team at Auckland Art Gallery Toyo Tamaki to hear what's going on at the moment to stretch our art minds and cure our wet day boredom. Here's a chat I had earlier this morning with Head of Curatorial and Learning at the Gallery, Dr Sarah Farah. Here we are now. We are talking this morning about what is happening at Toyo Tamaki and obviously you have a very large role to play in the programming. Can we start with this new exhibition that is opening on the weekend, Brent Harris, The Other Side. Tell me a little bit about that. I'd love to. Um, so Brent Harris is an artist who, um, he was born in Palmerston North, but at the age of um, about 18 he left to to live in Melbourne and went and studied at art school there. And he's lived in, in Melbourne and in Australia ever since, established quite a uh, an incredible uh, career as an artist, exhibiting in most of the um, main galleries. And yet he's kind of not, not so well known over here in Aotearoa. So uh, this exhibition, um, The Other Side, is a chance for New Zealanders to really get a sense of his artistic practice. So it includes works from the 1980s through to the present day and it's being guest curated by Jane Devery, who is an Australian curator uh, who's worked with us and worked very closely with Brent um, for a number of years. What can we expect to see in the show if we pop down there? So this is an exhibition of painting and printmaking. Brent is a, a terrific artist. He kind of oscillates between abstraction and figuration. His works are really highly emotionally charged. They're often quite colourful and laden with content. There's lots of references to art history, uh, to artists like Colin McCann, but also um, international artists like you know, Barnett Newman, Louise Bourgeois and others. So he's a really intelligent artist who, who kind of references art history but does it in a really personalised way. Um, as I said, you know, his work's quite emotionally charged. Well, I uh, look forward to getting to see that. So just remind me, that opens on this Saturday? Yeah, yeah, it opens on Saturday and it's on exhibition until Sunday the 17th of September. Great. So lots of time to get to see that. Your big show at the moment, Light from Tate. Can you tell me, for anyone who hasn't been to see it yet, what is Light from Tate? So Tate, we're referring to the Tate Galleries in London. So they're the, the big national institutions for arts um, over in the UK. And we've been able to um, bring an exhibition, Light from Tate, 1700s to now, um, over here that contains um, almost 100 artworks um, made over you know, several centuries. So from really classic artists like Turner or Constable through to the latest contemporary arts, um, artists like Oliver Eliasson, Yayo Kusama and others. So it's a great overview of work by you know really terrific artists, well-known names, and all exploring in different ways the theme of light. So, um, yeah, well worth coming and seeing that exhibition. It's a large show. 
and on until the 25th of June. You're taking that exploration of light a little further um, with an upcoming lecture series that you have this month. Can you tell me a little bit about what the lecture series contains? Yeah, sure. So alongside all of our exhibitions, we have a really active program, public program, and also program for our members. So for... A pretty reasonable price, in my opinion. Um, anyone can join up to be a member of the Auckland Art Gallery, and that gives unlimited access to our ticketed exhibitions um, like Light from Tate. Uh, and it also gives access to um, members-only events. So the lecture series is, is one of those, and it's really intended to kind of delve deeper into some of the content in the exhibition delivered by staff here at the gallery, um, members of some of my colleagues in the curatorial team will be speaking and really just uh, a chance to engage more deeply with the exhibition uh, and the works on show. It is New Zealand Music Month, which here at BFM we're all very excited about, Um, but you are doing a Music of the Month series with Aotearoa musicians at the gallery. Can you tell me a little about that? Yes, this is a new initiative at the gallery that our public programs team has um, developed to really highlight um, New Zealand musicians and for audiences coming um, on a Sunday afternoon and our next one is Sunday the 21st of May to experience um, live music and performance in the context of the gallery. So it really is a terrific event. Um, our next one will feature performance artist, DJ and dancer Peter Baker. And it, he's developed something um, in response to our Lat from Tate exhibition. So there'll be some connection to the exhibition, whether through the theme of light or the medium of light. Um, who knows? It will be um, it'll be great. Um, if you don't know already, Baker takes um, kind of travels the world with his mobile disco, and it will be a kind of one of a kind '80s disco party at the gallery. So, um, well worth checking it out. Awesome. Were you are you expecting any costumes in that one? I think that's a guarantee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we jump off the line, I'm just interested to hear in your in your role as a curator, what do you think the most important thing is when you are thinking about creating um, art in public galleries? Oh, great question. Look, the main thing that that we want to do here at Auckland Art Gallery is for everyone to feel welcome. You know, everyone has creative potential. And I think everyone can get something out of an art experience. Maybe not every exhibition is for everyone, but often there'll be something that will really strike a chord. And so we want to create those moments where people will come visit the gallery. And it may be, um, you know, if they're coming to see Peter Baker's performance, then they might pop into one of our exhibitions and see um, something that catches their eye. But, you know, really encourage people to come check it out and art is such an important part of all of our lives and has so much to offer. Indeed it does. That was Head of Curatorial and Learning Toy Otamaki Auckland Art Gallery Dr Sarah Farah talking with me about what's going on at the gallery. It's time now for our weekly art guides. That is what's going on. Let me get the music up. (laughs) 
Ooh. What's going on? One of these days we'll get a proper art guide sting, but that day is not today. <laughs> it is not today. We have a nice upbeat tune. This is a track from the Jet Set Radio soundtrack called Humming the Bassline. Because during Brecky, they just played a song that made me go, oh, I remember this from the late 2000s. <laughs> and it was great. But as Front just said, it's now time for the art guide, your weekly guide to the arts events across Tamaki Makoto for this week. What's coming up tonight? Ramiri, that is today, Friday the 5th of May. Alien will be taking place down at Q Theatre. This is a theatre piece by Alexa Wilson, her first in Aotearoa since shipping off to Berlin pre-pandemic. It combines dance, song and satire, embracing the body as foreign to self and others, often alienated inside change. I actually had a chat to Alexa on breakfast on Wednesday, on Wednesday morning, which you can listen back to on the Vcast. Also, along all of this weekend, you can head over to Corbin's Estates Art Centre in Henderson to attend the Printopia Festival, a 3D cel- three-day celebration of printmaking taking place from the 5th to the 7th of May. We also had a chat to the organiser earlier in the show last week, not this week, but last week, so you can catch that also in the Bcast. Raharui, Saturday the 6th of May, as we heard earlier in the show from Dr. Fara. Brent Harris, The Other Side, opens at Auckland Art Gallery Toyo Tamaki, amongst a host of other great shows and events. Also on tomorrow at Ellen Melville Centre will be the African Market, where the fashion showcase, food, arts and crafts and performances from various incredible Afro-Kiwi performers that will start at midday and continue onwards until 6pm. Also on tomorrow, until the 17th of May, we thought we'd highlight this one. Scott Lowry Gallery in Mount Eden is holding an impromptu fundraiser for Sefton Rani and other artists affected by the recent floods. So do make sure you get along to that if you're in the market um, and keen to support local artists. Up uh, Wednesday, the 10th of May. As we heard earlier in the show, artists and artists will be opening at Studio One Toy Two. We already had a chat to the couple, a couple of artists and the curator of this exhibition. So after the show, we'll put that on the Bcast and you can tune in if you want some more info and insights. And on a little extra note for any budding zine enthusiasts out there, the Auckland Zine Fest market store applications have just opened. It's taking place over the 5th and 6th of August. The market brings together artists, writers and creators of all things small press. If you want to take part and sell some wares, you can head along to AucklandZineFest.com. I'll be sure to see you there. That's all for us on Various Artists for today. Cheers to those who chatted with us. Thank you to Yasmin Ganley and Dr. Sarah Farah. And cheers to Diana Hu for chatting about Horizons. That is not the right thing. Thank you to uh, Lindsay, Hugo and Richie from the Artists and Artists Exhibition for speaking to me. We're not reading off an old run sheet, are we, Liam? No, I swear I'm not. There definitely isn't another wrong thing below this. <laughs> However, we can remind you that you can listen to all these chats we had today and more on 95BFM.com. Ka hoki mai mato wiki. Next up is Land of the Good Groove. We're going to close out the track. We're going to close out the show today with some Cassia Headrest. There were um, the traveling tunes this morning was loser anthems and all that I can think of is Cassie uh, headrest songs and that is not a diss to any Cassie headrest fans that is a diss to myself but this album is great this is nervous young and humans thank you for tuning into various artists today cheers Matteo.
with Francis and Liam. That was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B-card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.